This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Red. This week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we're gonna be talking about some stuff that is making us laugh right now what in our ma- lives. And, and I'll expand that to what makes us laugh and what doesn't make us laugh. I think that I'm, I've been trying to figure that out as I've you know pulled together some thoughts about this, and I'm, I'm, we've talked about it between the two of us in the past, just trying to figure out what it is that tickles our funny bones, and and what the type of things we avoid, and I, I just wonder if there's some conclusions to draw from that. Well, and I think, I don't know. It's always I always find it interesting. <laughs> I'm putting myself in the uh, uh, your shoes, listening. I always find it interesting to listen to people who do a particular thing for a living. Like I guess one way you could distill what we do for a living is we make people laugh. That you know, hopefully, that's, that's one of the main things that we're doing is we're trying. I think we elicit to make other emotions and reactions yeah, along they may the way, scr- but scratch that, their heads or that's whatever. That's the main. That's the main outcome. But I find it interesting outcome. when people who do something for a living. Uh, are then sort of talk about how they perceive those things in society and how they enjoy the thing that they provide, the service that they provide. It's almost like you you got somebody who's like, yeah, you know Tom, you know Tom, Thomas Burgers? He makes a good burger, but do you know where he actually really loves to eat? Oh, yeah, what what kind of bur- <laughs> what type of burger does Tom like to eat? Does Tom like to eat his burgers more than he likes to eat Judy's Burgers, and this is not a euphemism. Get your minds out of the gutter. I thought Tom, th- isn't there a Tom? There is a Tom's. And there's a Tom number two. That's something that happens in LA is that. There's actually a lot, there's you'll a Tommy's. Have a restaurant. There's a Tommy's. Well Tommy's is, is, a, is a chain. Tommy's is a chain that does burgers and like Mexican food. It's been but, around for a long time. But there's some other places that are not quite chains, they're just big enough to have numbers. Like there's Chinese restaurants and some burger taco restaurants around LA that are like, I've seen, you know, for a, a Chinese restaurant, I've seen probably up to number, maybe number four. You know, there's Frontier Walk, and then there's Frontier Walk Two. I think when you get to number five is when you start just saying, you know what, we don't have to number these anymore. But yeah, I know what you're saying. I, you know, it's like I want to ask my mailman. You know, how do you feel when you get mail? Do you get 
I mean, does Amazon come to your house? How do you feel about that? Does a mail do person deliver their own deliver mail? their own mail, or is that against the law? You know, <laughs> that office also sounds like a don't euphemism. shit where you eat, man. Don't deliver your own mail. Don't get caught delivering your own mail. This is kind of getting back to our sorting the mail. You want to sort the mail. Oh well, you're gonna want to hold <laughs> hold on to that a little. bit. You want to sort the mail. G giving something I got with, for you with someone else. You can sort the mail yourself. There's nothing. There's no shame in that. We were raised to think that there was shame in sorting your own mail. There's no shame in it. It's it's one of the most natural things. This is well, you know but what? Delivering I, your own mail. That's crossing the line. Okay, we're going here. I have I have something for you, and it's kind of crazy that you're already on this track. That I'm on mail. Well, okay, so just just put a pause to that. Just clear your mind. I'm not going to try to make a segue because that will. There's something I want to share with you that's not related to what makes us laugh, but I wanted to go ahead and and you know okay. put it at the top of the episode. Um, and I could make a grand segue, but instead I'd rather just kind of tabula rosa, clear the slate. Oh, tabula rosa. Um. Somebody's been watching a documentary. <laughs> what? <laughs> On Latin? <laughs> Latin and philosophy? Well, um, you didn't take a Latin class. No, I didn't. I've been watching documentaries. Right. <laughs> no, I know what the term tabula, I mean, that's just part of my vocabulary, man. You did pay attention in vocabulary. You did very well in vocabulary. I remember thinking about how well it's, you were well, doing it's very in vocabulary. Binary. You either know it or you don't. I was like, Link's really into these vocabulary books that miss, who would have given those to us that we class we would have been in? They were smaller than the other textbooks. It was a. It was a smaller book. It was the AG vocabulary book. So if you were academically gifted, yeah. you got a you got an additional vocabulary book, and it had like bigger words in it. Right. And you were kind of and I I took pride in that, but listen, that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about. It's been a while since Valentine's Day, but Christy got me something for Valentine's Day, and I, I keep meaning to bring it in and show it to you, and I have it with me now, and. You know, there's no pressure for you to immediately know what this thing is. In fact, I hope you don't immediately. Well, know I watch what it a is. lot of documentaries. When, <laughs> when so I know a lot of things. When she gave it to me, um, there was a there was a process of discovery that I had to go through to appreciate what this was and how to incorporate it into my personal life. She bought one for herself and she bought one for me. I have the one that she bought for me in my pocket. Right now, and I oh, want So it's small. I'm going to give it to you, and I just kind of want. I'm kind of hoping that you can have a similar experience than the one I had when I opened uh, Christie's Valentine gift for me. This is the only thing she got you. It's the only thing I'm willing to share. Oh, okay, all right. And you may think, if he's willing to share this, what is he hiding? Mm, okay. All right. So, do you maybe close your eyes? And I, you know, I want to recognize that. For the you know for the video version you're going to get to see this but we'll try to paint the best picture possible for just you okay, audio I've got first my eyes listeners. closed and I've got my hand out. Okay. Let me balance it a little bit on your palm. What? Kind of cup it. Yeah. There you go. This is. I can't get it to stand up. Okay. There it is. That that is my Valentine's gift from my wife. Maybe you maybe you should just start off by describing it for our listeners only. Is the stand part of it? That's the stand. So you could just put the stand Why down here. Why is it here. oily and wet? Okay, so Cuz I've used it. All right, it looks like uh it has the the shape of a of a micro like one side looks like a microphone, like it's like a circular 
It's got a circular thing. head on it. Uh, but then it has sort of a handle that if I just did this, I mean, I can't, I, there's only one thing that I know. What's that, it made out of? It's made out of silicone, like rubber. Or silicon, depending on who you are, how you talk about it. Um, push the button. Well, I'm sure it's gonna vibrate. Yeah, hold, hold, hold that up to the mic, let's get some. Um, it's a vibrator. Uh, but that oh, does, it, it vibrates. But that does, I, I'm just saying that in a technical term. Push, the, push it again. More intense. And then it's got, yeah, this is a, this is a typical vibrator and then it's got different speeds and then pulsing. There's, a, there's a pulsating. Then there's a fast pulsate. Yes. And, and then, then it goes it, off, and it's there's off. four and speeds. You, and you can put it in this, you can put it in that stand and it'll sit up right for you and stare at you uh, when you're okay. not using it. Now It's got a neck, it's got a, it's got a round it's, head on it, and it's got a it's got a, a slender it's neck. It's got a that, neck that can that, be positioned that bends. Now don't don't be too, don't be too rough with it. Why be is it oily it. on the bottom? Because I've been using it. Um, so yeah, it 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 vibrates. Uh, Christie's is pink, and mine is okay. Is, uh, well, black. I'll say a couple of things. If you were to, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it can be used uh, if you were in, if you wanted to sort your own mail, you could do it with this. <laughs> but I'm very convinced that there's so many better options for that. I mean, the the fact that it's got uh, these little nodules on it, from a scientific standpoint, I would say that this is. Um, and there's a hair on it, which is a clue. Mm, okay, what you can pick, sure, pick those off. What That's kind of hair fine. is that? <laughs> is it an exfoliation device? It's a, it is a facial cleanser. PMD is the brand. She wouldn't tell me how much she paid for this thing. I think it was over $100. And well, that's a ripoff. Basically, for what I'm trying to tell you is for Valentine's Day, Christy gave me a vibrator to rub on my face. Right, a face vibrator. <laughs> a face vibrator. <laughs> I mean, I've never had a gift like that before. Um, and and sometimes we'll do it in sync, like well, over our sinks. So at the same time, is the in tandem. The idea is that this is better than your hands because it's going to exfoliate but, or it's you know shake dead skin loose. I've got a manual face brush that I use. In the uh, well, in the shower, well, but but, but to okay. exfoliate stuff. But, but, but what is that? She's saying this is better. Well, I'll tell you why she thinks it's better. Because I marketing. I That's guarantee why. you. Market, b b Instagram marketing. No, it, it, has, it has nothing to do with the world. It has everything to do with you, Link Neal, in particular, and what it's like to know you and the experience with you. Now, what is the brush in the shower made out of? Bristles. Okay, I bought it myself. Right. There is, I have zero doubt, I would bet every dime I've ever seen or will ever see that you brush your face too aggressively with this brush. Because I thought you were gonna say that bacteria grew on it, which is also true. They say that this thing is like antibacterial. I'm just saying that Christy has probably observed you brushing your face with that brush and she's worried, as she should be, because 
Whenever you get to cleaning or touching or ba basically everything that you decide it, to do, you do very aggressively. So you're saying I don't exfoliate, I maxfoliate. Yeah, I'm saying that your exfoliation is clearly, definitely, without a doubt, too aggressive. I mean, well, you first freaking thing, got told by your dentist that you were brushing your teeth too hard. The first thing I did notice was that because you grab this bottom bulb and there's a little, little skinny it neck. It gives. It has a give to it. And I was thinking, this has not got enough yeah. scrub to it. <laughs> exactly, it does though, because you don't have this to. This is not what I wanna talk about. You don't have to. I agree with this. <laughs> okay. Listen, I agree. Your wife saved but your face. The reason why she got, the, she got one for herself too. The reason why it is marketing. It's just a, it's an anti-aging, vibrate, face vibrator. Because you know they say things like, oh it gives you, it exfoliates, exfoliates, it doesn't scrub too hard, it's antibacterial, but basically it's just to put something on your face to yeah. just like, it. it's supposed to be more of a deep cleaning. Well, we're in the age of night. vibration. Everything vibrates now. We're in the age of vibration. Your toothbrush vibrates, your face brush vibrates. And let me tell you, my, my There's battery. There's one thing that actually needs to vibrate. What? Of actual vibrator. Because if I that doesn't vibrate. I don't know. I was that can be a problem. When I got this, and for the first couple of weeks, I was totally prepared to just come in here and make fun of it, which I've done to this point. But now I'm going to add a little something, which is I might start liking it. Um, I really, you know, my my battery went dead in my toothbrush. You know, Quip is a sponsor, not currently a sponsor, I don't think, but um, they'll come back. So, so be it. I'm 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 on board with the Quip. When the battery ran out, I was like brushing manually and I really felt like it wasn't doing the job. Is that why your dentist was like, you're brushing too hard, you were like, well my toothbrush stopped vibrating. <laughs> I, I think it I had to make up for it. My, my, my teeth have improved from that point, but it is a bit strange to just rub a vibrator all over your face, but I just wanted you to know that every night I'm doing that. And well, if you think about me, that's what I want you to picture. Well, I'm not going to be thinking about that. Have you rubbed, have you vibe, have you put it anywhere else? No, but. Because that's what would be a problem with I, me. I also think that this is kind of a back door, <laughs> you know, for someone who is associating some stigma with self-pleasure. And hey, we wanna remove any stigma we can with self-pleasure, which is the thing that you were talking about before I even brought this thing out of my pocket. Right. By the way, you can keep it in your pocket very discreetly. I'm talking about, I, I talk about self-pleasure like, at least once a day. It just usually it, doesn't happen on this podcast. I'm gonna be, like whenever I start traveling and stuff, you'll see me in airport bathrooms using this vibrator on my face. But you have to, you know how you see you people have to use it with soap, right? Yeah, I put a little dollop of, uh, face stuff there. It's an anti-aging thing that's supposed to make you look more youthful. Now, and and you know, that's just there's no, there's no that shame marketing in that. is irresistible. I, I you know, I've been uh I've been exfoliating for the past 2 years and having never done it before, but it's it's not with a it doesn't vibrate. It's just a thing. I just it's just a thing I scrub on my face with my hands. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what else? I mean, needs I, a I, I move my hands very quickly when I do it. I'm trying to figure out, like my the seat in my car will vibrate. Um, trying to there's there's got to be something that doesn't currently vibrate that we can vibratize and just just revolutionize a market. Everybody's just uh, a vibrating a vibrating shirt. Needs oh, just a shirt. It's kind of like the shirts that make your dogs feel. Comforted. The, the tight Secure. shirts. Yes. So it's, like, it's a vibrating shirt. A, 
tight vibrating shirt. It, that's, I think you can vibrate too much though. That's getting close to still massage of places that you would massage. Like if the shirt's really tight, even if you just kind of, if you inflate it a little bit to make it really tight and then the massage kicks in, I'm sure people have thought of that. But I'm thinking of something else. I think that, a vibrating comb. Like a, a vibrating bed is something that's been in uh, motels for yeah. You know, decades. A vi- a vi- so a vibrating comb. A vibrating comb. So I, you know, because I've got this wavy hair that gets. I mean, literally, I cannot. If you and you know, if you've got hair like mine or anything curlier, you can't just take a comb and just comb the hair. You just it's the the hair is the structure of the hair. You can't run a comb through my hair, and so without pulling a bunch of it out. So the only way I can comb my hair, and I've never had to comb my hair because it's never been this long. Is with is, a vibrator. It's one of those wet brushes. So I literally, the only time I comb my hair is in the shower while there's conditioner in my hair. Get oh, all wow. the conditioner in my hair and I work all the knots out of my hair. And by the way, I pull so much hair out, like like enough hair to sell to the hair club for men to make a hair for a bald man. Oh. Like every time. And that's I, scary, isn't it? And I only do that like twice a week because it takes so long, I don't have time. Well, you might but run if out that, of hair. If that, it would be, you know, this is waterproof. You make that brush vibrate, mm-hmm. and it's gonna work. It's gonna work its way through the. Uh, you know what? I bet you you could look on Amazon right now. Or at now least feel vi- good. vibrating brush is probably already a thing. If not, let's file a patent right now. Vibrating pillow. I might get old. I mean, you definitely can't read a book or your phone like with your head resting on a vibrating surface. Vibrating pen. So you look like a nervous. Writer? <laughs> no, no, it vibrates very quickly, very quickly, and it and it it makes the. I bet you it would make the process of writing even more enjoyable. No, maybe increase your stamina, and also make uh, the ink come out even even more uniform. A vibrating pen, vibrating underwear. Well, that exists. What? Yeah, that exists, man. I could tell you a lot of things exist. I I, I go to those websites. You talking I, about Adam and Eve? Yeah, Adam and Eve, and there's other ones like that. Yeah, you can get vibrating underwear. I mean, basically it's just a pair of underwear that has a little vibrator pocket for in there. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm into it, but that, that's been done. We're not gonna win any awards for that. And Vin America's not gonna give, hmm. give Johnny a scholarship for that. I remember there's that website, mypleasure.com, not that's a sponsor. An, that's another one. That's Mark. a good one because there's no pornographic images on that website. So if that's if you don't if you want to avoid those if that's your, if that's not your cup of tea, then you can you can go there and you can get your your bedroom toys and you don't and you 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 don't have to worry about um, seeing things that you don't want to see if you don't if 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 that's your thing that you don't want to see. Also, also not a sponsor, but hey, shout out! I think they're still in business. I mean, not I mean not having the you know the real people on the website was probably hurting the business. <laughs> But like you said, maybe there maybe there there are there are people who, I mean, I kind of want to see how it fits. Do you know what I'm saying? I kind of that term. I I, I kind of want to know, like, well, how does this actually relate to the human body? <laughs> you know, how do okay, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. How do these vibrating underwears go on? Is it one but, leg through each hole in the waist so to the top? <laughs> but there's nothing. Let's see. I mean, because like your Xbox controller vibrates. You freaking, everything vibrates. I mean, is there nothing that we can come up with that we can get excited about? Because we. I think the comb is not a bad idea. Comb but, is not a bad idea. We got a musical prob- comb. It probably exists. 
but if it's musical vibratory. Well, all we, right. we could talk about that all day. All uh, right. I'm gonna put this back in my pocket. Yeah, just don't vibrate it while we're talking, please. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay. What makes us laugh? So, uh, what? My contribution to this episode is gonna be more philosophical than like I don't, I and I think our the list that you have uh, I'll I'll have some camaraderie of that because you actually made a list of things that are currently making you laugh, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I made some things that more historically have made me laugh, have made us laugh. That like, yeah, I'd I mean, like to I analyze. I'm not. Yeah, my stuff is not. Nothing really. Maybe except one is current. <laughs> but how you want? How do you want to get into it? At them. Um. I don't know, I could just start with one. Sure. So I kind of was thinking about um, things that reliably make me laugh. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't often make the decision to be like, I specifically want to laugh right now. Like that is not a. I uh, really need a laugh, I'm gonna go here, yeah. I. I that is not a common I thing. I don't I, think like that either. And we've talked about this before on the show that we typically, when we think about, if we're gonna commit to a television show, very rarely will it be a comedy. Now there are some, some comedies I absolutely love, but my favorite shows are dramas, right? That's, that's where, th those are the things I kind of get lost in and even from a, in movies, I typically like a drama more than I like a comedy. I don't just make the choice to be like, hey, Let's watch this because the primary intention is for us to laugh. And I don't know, I've heard that from a lot of people who are comedians, that they don't find their entertainment in comedy as much as they find it in other things because they're spending all day doing things to make people laugh or thinking about things to make people laugh. So I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe there's an element of work mode. I think there's also an element of like really escaping into a story that you can really invest in and and put some time into, and that level of escape is akin to getting a laugh from something. And um, right, but I, but I do think I I would like to be a little more intentional in not shying away from seeking out laughter because it does the body good. Yeah. So so if you were to go, where would you go first? Uh, well, just the other day, you know, we were uh, here in the office. <laughs> shooting yeah. some stuff and then we had a, a lunch break and sometimes we'll eat lunch and not have a meeting over lunch. <laughs> and this was one of those occasions so we could eat lunch and just put something on the TV. And uh, I brought up, the I think the name of the video is Vic Berger presents the very best of Jim Baker. Now, you remember if you watched Good Mythical Morning a couple <laughs> years ago, Jim Baker is the televangelist who was really popular in the 80s, he and Tammy Faye, and they also, def you, know, you know, they fraud, they were guilty of fraud, and he took a bunch of money, and he, but he had this sort of redemption. He went to prison, then he came back, and he is again a televangelist 
and I think he's got it. He's like set up in Branson, Missouri. He invites these audiences into his program. He's got a new wife who's kind of Tammy Faye like, wears not as much makeup, but she kind of serves the same role that Tammy Faye served for him back in the day. And the thing that he has gotten obsessed with, as many televangelists do, is the end times. And so he's not just talking about the end times and the apocalypse that's always impending, he's also selling things that you can prepare for the end times with, including. And survive. Jim Baker buckets, which we taste tested on Good Mythical Morning. You should watch that episode if you haven't. It's like a big f- five gallon plastic paint bucket, but it's filled with food. And it, yeah. on his show, which he's got, you know, he's got like a morning show set and he's got, his wife is a co-host and he's got these other co-hosts and they'll mix, and they've got a studio audience that's that's sitting in like dinner table place old, settings. Old folks mostly. Yeah, and I mean, you'd think you would open a bucket and it would just be full of cream corn or potatoes because they make it in the buckets and they stir it as if they're feeding. They present the 5, it in the most unappetizing fashion imaginable, including having a giant bucket of rice in which Jim Baker reaches his bare hand into and just eats the rice. Now, let me just say. I could watch any of this Jim Baker programming unedited just as it is and be very entertained. And I have for, I wanna be clear about this because you guys know our story. You know that we were raised in conservative Christianity, evangelical Christianity, and we're no longer a part of that tradition. Yeah, I don't consider myself a Christian at this point. Feels like maybe we're coming after a But let me just be very clear. When I was a committed evangelical Christian on staff as a missionary with a Christian organization, I would still watch guys like Kenneth Copeland, Jim Baker, uh, TBN for entertainment purposes. This is again, this is a little bit of a deep cut and it might be for those of you who don't come from a, a, a Christian background, you might be like, what? I don't understand. So. When we were Christians, we considered ourselves, and I think rightly so, a totally separate thing from those televangelists, right? And most Christians that I know, that I'm friends with, that I was friends with, that I remain friends with to this day, my family, everybody, they do not, they think that those dudes are a bunch of whack jobs. Kooky. So that they, they just, just to their credit, they recognize that these guys are swindlers, these guys are about getting rich, these guys are about taking advantage of the vulnerable, these guys are about making these empty promises, at least from the tradition that we come from. So, but I always got such a kick out of it because you can't deny the entertainment value that these televangelists bring. Yeah, so there's no agenda here to like tear some sort of preacher apart. This This is something that I was thinking about exactly the same way that I think about now, my entire life, just to be clear, but, he, and he has taken advantage of people and by you know tapping into fear and selling buckets of camp food for thousands of dollars. Yeah. Enough, trying to sell enough of it that he's demonstrating how you can turn the buckets into furniture in your home. You just put a tabletop over them and then a curtain. But Vic Berger, to, v- to give V-I-C-B-E-R-G-E-R. The, to give the other side of this, I don't really, we've never met Vic before. I. I, that might, I don't even know if that's his real name, but. We love him. He's been associated with people like Tim and Eric and 
he he was uh, super. He was associated with Super Deluxe, doing some stuff for them for a while. But essentially, this guy is the master of awkward edits of taking people who are genuinely already funny and weird and awkward, and then editing them in a way that accentuates that awkwardness to a complete new level. The music and the edits and the way that he kind of doubles back on things and emphasizes things. It's a creative layer that's editorial in a, in, in a sense that like he's bringing his point of view to it and adding another layer, but you never lose the initial the magic. You, you, can, you can watch a Vic Berger edit and appreciate the fact that Yes, it's manipulated, but the but the things that Jim Baker and his cohorts are saying is not manipulated. I'm this sure is, that if, he really said and did all these things, and so, like you said, you could just watch the show. You need a little more patience, and you got you have to get over the sadness of him taking advantage of people. But at a certain point, especially with Vic's additions, you can just embrace it as this strange comedy. Well, I, w- I wanna, I'll push back on that getting over the sadness of him taking advantage of people because. Getting over it's not the right I, word. I, I'll just say that I think that the people who are taken in by people like Jim Baker, I don't have a, a lot of sympathy for them. Well, that's harsh because I mean, you, you got like, you know, you got some blue haired grannies and it's just, you know, they get, they, you gotta protect those people. You but, can't expect on, but, them to but, take advantage. But, what, but not, what, what harm is being done to them? Money, they're, they're I being mean, drained. Yeah, but they're, I mean. But I, they're, they're getting buckets of food. I don't think that those, I don't think people are going broke. I don't think these old folks are going broke buying Jim Baker buckets, you know? And I do think that. And, but they're scared of the end times and they're. well. I and here fear mongering. I do think that, and I do have. I don't have Jim Baker buckets. Uh, I have a fair amount. I have a few months' supply of freeze dried food at my house, you know. And I got you some. That's probably the only. You probably have like a couple weeks that I gave you. Um, you. But the uh, it isn't like selling a blessed. And I don't know. Jim Baker may do this, but like some people will like sell a blessed you know, towel that's got holy water on it. And he's not like healing people. He's not like giving people false healing hope and stuff like that. Maybe he did that back in the day. All I'm saying is I don't feel that bad about that part of it because the worst thing that's happening is some old folks are getting more freeze dried food than they actually will use. They're going to die and this stuff is gonna be on their shelves and get handed down to the next generation. So. Listen, but the one thing we can agree on is that even though I feel more I feel bad about it more so than you. I feel sorry for these people. It's so funny that you can still get over it. I can still get over it, and we can agree on that. How funny it is! I mean, it's 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 taking this reality and it's adding this it's just creepy juxtapositions, and you got to watch it. And there and there's and I'm sure you're gonna. This is one of the things you're gonna talk about. Uh, um, No actor. I'm not interested right. in in an actor portraying a Jim Baker character. That's I mean now now sure I would laugh at it like you. Okay. I would I would pay a I'd pay a ticket price to watch Sam Rockwell and a Jared Hess. Yeah, well, okay, I'm a fan which, of that already. Exists, I'm a fan the of way. the Righteous Gemstones, the HBO show, which is which is different. But you know, 
I'm a fan of that. It's kind of making fun of uh, kind of televangelist megachurch culture in the South. But it's a totally different thing when you know this is a dramatization. But I would much rather see the real thing. And I'm sure that if, I'm sure that, well first of all, I know that Jim Baker and his wife uh, and the other people associated with it, especially some of the younger people who are some of my favorite people to watch are the younger people who are associated with it like on stage. Yeah. I know that they know about the Vic Berger edits and you know that they're mad about them because they think that it's mis- it misrepresents them and like you're saying, not really though. It, it's no. like he's taking all the things that you said and you did and he's putting them together and yes, he's manipulating the edit and if this was a, if this was in a court of law, this would not be admissible evidence but it's you were laughing at the things that actually happened because in the juxtaposition that, yeah, of that, Yeah, we have this shared fascination with like people being real. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. You know that as a family we are dedica- we've dedicated our lives to watching Survivor. That is like our life. It's the funniest show that on television. <laughs> It, but you know what? One of the things that I love about it is that when you get some really good characters, which is basically just people who are unabashedly strange, and they can't they can't hide it. You know, out there on the island, your you know you your soul is bared. Your your personality is like all of your defense mechanisms. Everything you do, it's just. I love the psychological analysis of that and some people are really funny and they do a good job, an Emmy winning job of editing these characters. And especially because they're put in situations that aren't romantic. That's actually, you know, there's so much of that out there. That's, That's why I love Survivor is that you're seeing real people, sometimes really strange people being pushed to their limits and it's not about Making out with somebody. Now that, that I know that that's that's also entertaining for you, and you really get into that, it. But that, well, I, well, I I'm not into uh, ninety day fiance because of the making out. Trust me, I, I'm or or the bachelor. It's for, for the it's for it's, it's for the, it's, it's the for comedy. The, it's for the putting normal people in a situation in an abnormal situation. Really, it's the same. It's for me. It's the same principle. I also enjoy, I enjoy Survivor, we don't watch it religiously, but yeah, I enjoy. It's not a comedy, but. Yeah, I, but the I enjoy the trashy reality shows more because the people are more extreme. Like, that's the thing, Jim Baker, like I, I have complicated feelings towards Jim Baker because he creeps me out in a certain way, but at the same time, Something about the way his his eyes move and his the mouth the position that he has and the way that he expresses things is in, is incredibly endearing. These are things that 
just happen on his face. <laughs> yeah, he, he hasn't. He, you can tell that he hasn't watched himself back and 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 become a persona. Like a, a lot of, I think televangelists, I think they do that. There's a performance as, I mean, of course, he's a performer too. He's a host. He's you know he's been on television, but he's not for polished decades, or slick. But he's not. Yeah, but the so much of it is still instinctive. Like, <laughs> why is his face doing that right now? Right, and, and if he like, and if he was your granddad, he, you would it's find a granddad energy. You would find all those weird things like his fashion sense, like the fact that he like he's got that hat with the cross on it, and then he's got these vests that he'll wear that look like he's going fly fishing, but he's not. He's just hosting a show. Yeah, these little choices that a lot he's of making, empty pockets. I just, I find it intoxicating. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's I, great, and and that and and. The process of someone trying to be funny, and th again, this goes back to why when we made the local commercials, we were so into it, because you take somebody like Gorgon, you know, from the Shift It, Shift It commercial, and the entertainment quality for us was based in getting Gorgon to make a commercial. You know what I'm saying? It was, and it like, was Well, it was, it was also very, what, what do you mean? Well, it was very important that we, that we preserve and platform the strangest parts of our clients that were actually real. Well, but also we didn't manufacture a personality like for the them. Scene where he is answering the phone, but he he hesitated and he he did, yeah. We didn't fully direct him. When you when you when you want to get these type of performances out of people, you direct them enough to push them in a direction to but see what they would do. But, but then you let them direct themselves. So it was like he I can't remember. I think he picks up the phone and says says something and no, then. He's, no, he's on the phone and he sees the woman drive up. Oh, oh yeah, but he didn't know if he should keep the phone up or put it down and there's right. a hesitation. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we see that kind of thing and we're like, that's the gold. That's right. what we want. There's, I don't know, and I can't really express, I can't articulate what it is, but for me. Honest. There's this, this yeah, relatable honesty in that moment of he's like, I don't know what to do with the phone. <laughs> and we're like, well, that's why this is going in the commercial. And it kind of worked. From a story standpoint, too, that like I know he sees this beautiful woman who uh, you know just responded to a Craigslist ad <laughs> to show up and be in his commercial, um, but like oh you know he's 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 bumfuzzled <laughs> on, on a couple of that's what it seems like from a character standpoint he's doing, but you know at the same time that as he's not an actor and he's doing this, I mean I know you want to talk about Family Feud, right? There's a connection to that. Um, yeah, so. Another thing that I'll do is watch compilations of Family Feud. Yeah, we've done this stuff. for years. But more recently, I've been watching just whole episodes of, of, of the Family Feud. Now, is it as good as the compilations? It's not as concentrated by any means. But sure. you actually get into the the gameplay, and my family and I will sit down. You guys are watching Survivor. The McLaughlins are watching Family Feud, and being like committed to the gameplay, like really everyone's trying to answer, everybody's like saying uh, saying the answer and we're getting into it and then I find myself doing the same thing. So one of the classic things in Family Feud is after the round has been completed and there's still some unanswered, unrevealed answers on the board, they'll be like, they reveal them and then the crowd just Reads impulsively out repeats it. Yeah, you know, it's like we ask one hundred people, "What's the first thing you put on in the morning?" 
underwear. Like everybody says that, and I find myself watching it and saying underwear. You you speak out loud? Yes, I am. Wow. An, I am a committed audience member, and then I'm like, yeah, okay, what is okay? What is Steve gonna do? Steve, Steve's gonna. He's okay. Oh, he's all over this one. They're gonna say this. This. He's gonna make fun of this guy. Oh, he's gonna pull back a little bit because this girl's not responding that well to this. And also, the producers making the decision. The whole system of Family Feud is now designed to create YouTube clips. So it's gotten way more suggestive. They, yeah. Because it used to be accidentally suggestive and then they were just like, let's just go all the way and let's just ask questions. Sometimes they go get, a little too far. Get embarrassing and it, it seems too forced. But again, it's also, I'm fascinated by these people playing this game have never been on television. And the, I'm thinking about what is going through this, like this dad brings his family and he's thinking 17 things. He's right. thinking, I'm on television. I don't wanna be an idiot. I might end up being on YouTube. I wanna win the money. I wanna beat that other family. I gotta think about the actual way that people would have answered this. Yeah, it's And tough. I'm fascinated by the honest human psychology of somebody being on a game show. Yeah, once you, and it is, it's a brilliant setup because once you have all of that going through your mind and then Steve Harvey's in your face asking you a question, the sur that surreal experience. Like, I'm there now. Then you, 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 you can't manufacture responses. You end up just saying the first thing that comes to your mind. You know, you're playing the game, but like you're playing it in this kind of weakened, laid bare state where it's like you can't, you, you know, there's the self preservation, uh, you know, that quotient has, has gone to nil by, by this point. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's a perfect recipe for people to embarrass themselves with, with honesty. Yeah. Honesty. It, I think that's, it, it, that's it's a, great. That's what we go back to. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets. So that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Steve Harvey, the reason that he's such a good host is because he's incredibly honest. So like you can't say something that's a dumb answer yeah. and ha not have him point it out and not have him drag you. Yeah. And some people might be like, well that's kind of unfair. It's like, you know what you're getting into. You know, chill out a little bit. You know what you're getting into when you go on that show. And the thing is, is that in the same, you know how you and I are, we make observations about people. We've talked about this many times where we'll go to a party, whatever, we have an interaction with somebody and there'll be something specific about a person, just something notable about them. And then we'll get into the car, go home and be like, hey, when we talked to that guy, what, were you, what, what did you notice about him? And then we'll be like, we have fun figuring out, well, what was it that you noticed about him? It yeah. was his jacket. Or it was the way he pointed at somebody when he was talking to them. Yeah. You know, it, what, it, some specific thing, we're fascinated by that element of human was behavior. Was he winking? 
And then or was like, there something in his eye? And Steve Harvey will not let you get away with something. He points it out, and then he has he can be funny about it in, in the moment. That's what makes him good. That's every that, Family that, Feud host has been able to do that. But that the observational sense of humor does make me think of Seinfeld. You know, I, I that was our favorite sitcom growing up. Um, you know, it was unlike any sitcom before it, but it was. It's taking. You know, you could tell when when you were watching these characters and everything that happened that it was Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld pumping these characters full of their observational humor. So yeah, you're one step remo- removed in that these are you know these are actors, but the subject matter was still that observational honesty and exploring that stuff. And then you with a character like Kramer or a lot of the characters, it was, yeah, it was the other characters kind of picking them apart, picking apart, Jerry picking apart his dates, um, them, everyone picking apart Elaine's dates, including Elaine, you know? And uh, well, they, they picked apart everybody that was outside of their circle, which I think is something that maybe we, we enjoyed and then adopted in, in our friendship and sort of picking apart other But things. they were all assholes. Yeah. All of them. All yeah. four of the main cast who never well Kramer changed. Kramer wasn't no he wasn't yeah as much but they were all assholes but and and that's why one of the reasons people didn't think that it would work is it's like well who who likes these people and that might and it also might be one of the reasons that but I, I didn't a younger like... generation watches it now and is like well first of all you have to get over the nineties of it and the laugh track and all that stuff that but it wasn't that I liked them first I I understood how they thought right yeah exactly and then you start to like them as people when you start to appreciate more of it. But you know, I was thinking about like what are the what are the shows I watch now? Like, you know, I watched Ted Lasso and I really liked it. But I not had, necessarily for the comedy. But I mean there were there were definitely funny moments. I like I like it for the heart. Yeah, for the for the heart, I think it was, you know, I really enjoyed how the the characters all went on journeys. And I yeah, I don't think it was first and foremost the comedy. That that made me love the show. It took a while to get into it. There was like some hokey situations or whatever. But some of my least favorite parts of Ted Lasso are some of the jokes that don't work. Now I think uh, I think Ted Lasso as a character, oh yeah, like he worked. He, I, he I was love, locked. I love in. the show. He was locked in. It was the people around him and the type of jokes. But you know, as as we've talked about the the things that we like the most, like when I think of television, I think of Seinfeld. I think of The Office, and then when I think of movies. And I try to draw some conclusions from this, like the type of comedy movies that we like, like the the Adam Sandler movies, even the Will Ferrell movies, like that that type of stuff that was like over the top. I never I watched some of those, but I never really got into it. Like the type of comedies that I really got into were like the Coen Brothers comedies, and then trying to figure out why is it that I thought the Big Lebowski was so much funnier than. Well, I, I was gonna say Talladega Nights, but that's a that's a really Talladega, funny movie. I I think well, that one's an exception because I also it, think that Will Ferrell and and Adam Sandler are very it's a very different yeah. approach. Yeah. One, once I began to appreciate the Adam McKay of it all, and once he started to create so many other Oscar worthy movies, is that like I started to reassess how how I had written off those Will Ferrell movies, um, and I do think that they're great. But I think that the thing that I was drawn to, and 
I think both of us, and that we've talked about is, well, we definitely don't like like the joke-oriented sitcoms. We like more of the situational-oriented sitcoms um, and have that different um, single-cam tone versus the, the multi-cam Big Bang Theory, like every word out of their mouth is a joke and it's everything is just a setup for them to get to tell more jokes. Yeah. And realizing that didn't resonate with me, but seeing what was different about the things that did, and I think one of the things I concluded was, I mean, the, having characters that are built funny, that I could, you know, I think that there's something to that in what we've already talked about, about our fascination with the comedy and real people, like a really well-built comedic character. Take any character from The Big Lebowski. I think it applies, and then you put those type of characters in situations that are funny, and then let them say what they would say in those situ- and do and respond in those situations, and that's and it that's will be a, funny. That and it will be funny. I love that. And like, there will be as opposed to the joke oriented stuff, when it's like all of this is just a setup so they can say things that are funny. Yeah, and then it's all about what well, do I. Do it, did I laugh at that joke or not? And did I laugh at a high enough percentage of the jokes to think this movie was good? I think it's when you can sense the presence of the writer, uh, it become it's a turnoff, right? For, for us, uh, yeah. Be, yeah, so, and we, we say funny situations versus jokes. When and we I, first talked about that, we thought it was like a, a revelation. It seems no, but obvious. No, but I think the way that you, you broke it down is exactly right. It's, it's, it's funny people, being put in funny situations, and they will say memorable, funny things, but it's not jokes. Some, now, some, and it might happen, okay, so you take some, one of my favorite shows, Barry, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Barry on HBO, uh, Bill Hader, you know, plays the, uh, basically a hitman who's trying to. Become an actor. And it has one of our favorite actors in it, Stephen Root, uh, and, it is, it kind of toes the line, right? It had, there are some ridiculous characters that say things that no one would ever actually say. No matter who they were, you put them in this situation, okay, this, that was the, a, a writer's idea of what would be a funny thing to say. That was a joke, that was a setup, that was a punchline. It happens, uh, and, and, and you know what? When they go a little bit too far, I don't like it, but, I love the show because they don't do it very often. Cho- and, oh, the way we put it was choices. Yeah, funny choices versus jokes. Yes, it's like, so it's kind of like behind the scenes with the, the brilliance of Barry is that you take, you put these, you build these characters, you put them in this like high stakes situation, but you tweak everything for the comedy. Everything that it could be, I mean, it, this could be key for Sullivan in, in 24, you could have the same characters in the same story, but you could, the way that all the situations are turned towards comedy to kind of skewer the acting world and acting classes and just the situations, the irony of somebody who is a killer trying to become an actor, Yeah, um, we just can sense those funny, those the choices set up to comedy, not the, and then you trust the payoff versus writing the joke as a, the punchline as a payoff. And in the stuff that we're currently working on, which we are, we continue to develop and write things that we really hope you'll see at some point. 
but that's really what we're focusing on. Now, I it's don't. It's so important, the beginning is so important to us for those reasons, because then you trust that if you set it up right, that the comedy will take care of itself. And this is not, let me just be clear, this is not what we did on Buddy System. Either, see, yeah. season one, uh, which we always sort of dog a little bit and say isn't any good, uh, it's not great. Um, it had some jokes in it, that di that didn't that didn't land. We kind of did the funny situation thing. Second season we like better because it was better executed. It was a better story. We were playing characters. We weren't just playing ourselves. But it was absurdist, and also it did have many things that were said and done were things that no one would ever say and do. And I think that it worked. And I do like absurdist comedy. And I do. I even like sitcoms at times. But none of the stuff that we're currently working on plays in that world. Right now, everything that we're working on is like, these characters are funny. This situation that we're putting them in it's is dramatic. going to draw out the funny because as they navigate this world or this serious situation or this perilous situation, they're gonna end up saying and doing funny things because that's the way the characters are built. But we're gonna try to authentically represent what we think this character would actually do in this situation and that's that's a big, that's kind of a big shift for us creatively, right? Because again, when you think about what we do and sort of like the sketches that we put out on uh, Instagram or TikTok or that kind of thing, it's like the, those are, it's a completely different medium. It's not, it's your, your, the conceit is we're in a comical, ridiculous, non-believable world. So I, it's a totally different thing. The stuff that we're working on narratively, like longer form stuff, is in that sort of more authentic place. But let's go to the to the social media of it all because I mean I mean of course my kids only go to TikTok and so much of that is comedy. You know, and they're like they're just sitting there laughing and like sharing sharing stuff with each other. And I think that the way the reason that and I'll show and I know you know the guy that I'm going to talk about and cuz you think he's funny as well. I think the thing uh it makes a funny TikTok for me, and again, this is obviously completely scripted because in the example that we're gonna talk about and in the example, many examples, it's like one person playing every single role. So it's obviously f fake and obviously written. It's a narrative thing. It's the very specific choices that make it feel like fresh uh -huh. comedy. It makes it feel like somebody is kind of pushing into a new sort of boundary in a new way of thinking about comedy or there's just something about this person that is just intrinsically funny. So I'm gonna talk about uh, PDUSA. <laughs> so P-E-T-E-Y-U-S-A. Long-haired, bearded guy. He's, I mean, he's How only got, got? 585,000 followers at the time of this. Uh, Recording, and um, I don't listen. I don't know anything about this guy. All I know is his TikToks, and I find his TikToks very funny. So I'm just gonna let's just. Did you see the one about cornhole? Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of these. I really like him. Okay, well let's just watch the one about cornhole. And he's playing. I mean, he's playing this. PDUSA is this character, but something about the fact that you don't know what you're gonna get when you scroll across TikTok, you wanna believe that this is a real person. He does such a good job in his portrayal that, I mean, the nature of the comedy is so strange 
that yeah. um, you know that it's it's intentional, but it's also so strange that it must have come from a really strange person. So you start to think that this guy is self-aware enough to tap into his strangeness, but I think there's a lot of a, the real guy Definitely. out front here. Definitely. So e- even that, trying to parse that is is fascinating. He's not trying to be somebody who he's not. He's trying to be he's trying to be an elevated version of himself. Okay, let's watch this one about cornhole. Okay. So playing cornhole. Oh, a hand comes out of the cornhole. Takes his corn bag. It's kind of creepy. Oh, it's him in the cornhole. Cut in half, man. Cut in half. How are you not even bleeding? Oh, I'm bleeding pretty good actually. Yeah, oh, he's he's got blood all over the place. I love the fact that when he says expletives, he beep, beeps it out, but you can, can still, still hear, hear it. it. He's making all these choices. Hey, what's going on up there? Now he comes out of the house. A third version of himself. Is he bleeding? Yeah, he's bleeding pretty good. What's he doing in the cornhole? He just wanted to do a it's little just goof such before a he passed on. Strangely normal yeah, conversation. A little goof. Be, uh, pretty good, actually. Do you want a soda or anything? I got some in the fridge. I'll ask him. Hey, man, you want a... Oh, no, he's dead. Jeez. Oh, what's up? I think he just passed away. <laughs> passed away. Yeah, he's passed on, unfortunately. Passed you know, on. half guys tend to do that. Yeah, half a guy doesn't tend to last too long, does he? <laughs> so that's that, the end. So, so, that's so, the end. So, that's it. Yeah, half a guy doesn't tend to last too long, does he? I mean, where does wh- who comes up with this stuff? Petey does. How man. does Petey come up with this stuff? It's it is, it's brilliant. I mean, I can see that this. If if I met this guy and he was totally normal, I would believe it. I mean, the the performance could be that masterful. He could be somewhere in the middle, and there could be a, a lot of strangeness in his in his real persona. But I can definitely see him showing up in movies. It he it has to already be happening. Sure, he has to yeah, be on sure. set. He's, he's going to auditions. Playing, playing this character. Let's watch another one. I don't even know which one this is. It just has three million views, so it must be good. Play. Okay, see? so he's no, watching. It's, it's guys swimming. He's watching guys like yeah, swim in an Olympic pool with himself. Hey, what's up? Dude? Then he comes in. Guys swimming? You got it, man. Epic. Hold their breath. They hold their breath in the water and then they do one of these. He's acting like hey, a swimmer. Hey. hey, man. None of these guys have ever guys seen guys swimmers. Swimming. Yeah. Holding their breath? Holding their yeah, breath they're fascinated by it. No way. Five of them. It's guys swimming. Like fish? Well, yeah, but they're guys. Incredible. <laughs> guys swimming like fish. Guys swimming like fish. <laughs> now they're slapping five with each other. I mean, the editing is is so great because it's just one guy. And the music. Music is strange. Swimming guys, exactly, man. Still giving fives. It's like, what? That's it. It's just, I just. Footage of swimmers. It's just they're watching guys swimming. They meaning him playing five different characters. Everybody who comes in. They're all the same guy in different clothes. It's so great. And he puts this music, this like, this weird ethereal music yeah. in underneath everything that is also a very specific and wonderful choice. It's totally, it's just so fresh. I think that's the thing that I, I love about it is that I can't compare it to any other comedic sensibility. It's out of left field and it so it surprises you and it makes you feel a little envious, like I know that we, I could never, you know, could never be that guy. Well, but I, I would, I'd like to, I'd like to have that ability. Well, I think that yeah, there we have a tendency. Um, again, I think that that PD is 
this is calculated, of course. He knows why it's funny. He's self-aware enough to know why he's funny. Um, but but he's, you can tell, just like you said earlier, he, if you met this dude, the way that he would interact with you is like one of these characters. I don't it, know it, anymore. It, it's, it, no, I'm not saying is like, I mean, that's his haircut. He has chosen to have that long hair in that way, right? That's that that's a choice. He could be in a, you know, he could be in an Allman Brothers cover band. Right. But but and I think that there is this like, yeah, okay, well, we would have to play some kind of character in order to achieve this and at that point it would This is something this is one of the things that's happening with comedy in general, right? So, there is this in a good way, this new appreciation for authenticity. Again, he is playing a character, he's coming up with these situations that, I'm not saying that he would just bond with some dude over a guy swimming in that way. It's clearly a joke, it's clearly elevated, and it's clearly scripted. But that thing you're talking about is this authenticity of, it's the same reason that people are so into commentary videos right now, it's because I'm watching someone honestly process process something. something, and if they're really funny and they make really funny observations about it, they're kind of interacting with it in the way that I want to interact with this stuff. The, the best commentators are the, are the ones that you never get a sense they're trying too hard. That's absolutely something that we have, you know, that we've had a problem with all along is just trying too hard, pushing too hard. And I, you know, I think once we've, I mean, we're still relaxing into Good Mythical Morning, and I'm, I'm encouraged that I think people are picking up on it, that it's, you know, we're just we're we're pushing things less and less, and just saying, you know what, we're just going with it. And yeah. if and if we do something that where we are pushing the comedy of something, I think that you can tell, or they can tell that it's it's more from a place of like we're motiv we're just motivated to want to do it. We're not trying to achieve something or get something out of somebody. We think it's funny, and so we're just screwing around with each other. I think that level of authenticity is something, after all these years, we're still still working at and still homing. I, you know, I, another. Well, no, that would be honing. That is the one. Oh, shit. You, you actually, that, that, yeah, if you're still working on it, you're still honing it. Still working on the use of that term. You can just use honing in all situations, another, though. We, well. That's what you concluded before, and then yeah. you just went back on yourself. It's your fault. <laughs> you get in my head, man. Still I mean, homing. the other, the other show that I like, the HBO show How To with John, what's his last name? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to look it up. Can't remember his I put it on name. my list of, we're, a, we're having a creative uh, little meeting later today. Yeah, it's on my list. It's on my list, yeah. Um, of favorite shows. Look up his freaking last name, because well, as much I'm, as I love the show, I hate the fact that I can't remember well, right I've now. Got it, I've got it on my list. Yeah, the, it it's so, I mean, he films Wilson, John Wilson. John How to with John Wilson. He films. He's got reams of footage from his life living around New York City, and then he turns it into these. He pieces it together as these narratives. Yeah, kinda. Like there's there's stories that you're following. Uh, there's ideas that he's exploring, and and there's lots of left turns. So it's not a beginning, middle, and end. It's a beginning, left turn, left turn. Look at where we ended up. You loved every second of it. But we have a difference of opinion, I think, on just how authentic uh, he, his, he is. How much is he the guy 
that he is presenting himself and how much is calculated. I think it's more calculated than you. Last time we talked about it yeah, at least. I'm on the opposite side of PDUSA. Uh, but but this is good because this, this is exactly what, first of all, I don't care how calculated it is because the final product is believable. Right. And that is where how I think that all this, this move towards authenticity that's taking place in the creator-driven entertainment system that is TikTok, YouTube, whatever, it's not going to do away with larger budget produced scripted content. It just influences it. And the way that it influences it is the stuff that we're talking about, which is really good. It's, it's why comedians have to be better actors than they had to be 20 years ago, I think, in order to make the kind of comedy that I wanna see. Mm -hmm. And that is because you need to be able to get me to buy into the authenticity, the reality of the character that you're portraying. And then I can feel free to laugh. But the moment that I feel like I sense the actor and I sense the writing, which is something that no one cared about when Chevy Chase was doing it in the 80s. And, and again, you can still go back and enjoy all those things, legitimately enjoy Chevy Chase in the 80s. I'm not saying it's not funny, but the reason that you can't just do that now is because because people are, viewing all that old stuff through the, the lens of nostalgia and you're appreciating it and you're giving it the benefit of the doubt because of what it was. But nowadays, I do think the stuff that, we, I think that it isn't some grand calculation that we've made. I think that we're responding to the environment of the comedy that we're into and is around us. And we're like, this has gotta be all, it has to feel authentic. That doesn't mean that somebody's not gonna be a character actor. That doesn't mean that somebody's not gonna play a completely different person. It doesn't mean that somebody's going to be, you take Christopher Guest, I mean, one of the reasons that that stuff holds up for me, we watched Best in Show. All the mockumentaries. We watched Best in Show uh, a couple weeks ago, me and Jesse and Shepard, and Shepard absolutely loved it. You know, you take the character that Christopher Guest plays in that movie, which is obvious. The hound dog guy? The hound, is not him, it's this dude from uh, some place in North Carolina, but I can't remember, it was, I think it's a made up name. Pine Tree, Pine Nut, North Carolina. Yeah. And, <laughs> but everyone plays so those good. characters so authentically. What does he list out? He lists out different types of. Ty types of nuts. Types of nuts. You got pine nuts, you got peanuts, you got almond nuts, you got. And he loves those dogs. Yeah. But the reason that he's funny is because you can tell it's Christopher Guest doing this off the top of his head. But he's also tapping into something that is representative of something that is real and exists. Yeah, which is why Talladega Nights is kind of like the outlier Will Ferrell movie for me because I knew how true it was and it was actually a lot more grounded than someone who didn't live, you know, grow up around where we did would think that it was just too ridiculous, but I, it was actually more grounded. Truth, I mean, it's all, it, it's, there's all kinds of theories about what makes something funny and, and philosophers have been debating it forever, but I always kind of gravitate towards this idea that there, the truth, the tr there's truth in comedy and that's the thing that you're kind of connecting with and you can get to truth through things that are absurd and un completely unreal. Like we both are huge fans of the Mighty Boosh and nothing that happens in the Mighty Boosh is it's almost like you can't, you, you have to go to, you have to pick a side of the argument, right? You have to be like, I'm going to try to be authentic and, and represent the truth in a way that you'll find relatable, or I'm gonna be so far removed from your own understanding and experience that you'll be, you, you, it's almost, it's, there's an uncanny valley, I yeah. think, between I, it's like, absurdist I love, and, and realist. Yeah. That I just don't, I, if yeah, you live like, in that uncanny valley, I love, valley, I I love Rick and Morty. 
I mean, the absurdest nature yeah. of Rick and Morty. I mean, as an animated show, for, I guess as an old fart like me, it's like I, you have that suspension of disbelief and like, but yeah, the Mighty Boosh did that too, where it was like, you're just gonna embrace the, the crazy. When you talk about the evolution of comedy, it does, and of television, I mean, it does make me think of like the brilliance of WandaVision and how um, I noticed that I enjoyed the later episodes better because they were, it was easier to enjoy them because the form was something that was closer to. It's more familiar. It was more, well, it was more. Real. Real, because of that um, trajectory that you're describing in comedy applies to television in general. You know, I think about, if you go back to the, if you showed, just to even, if you showed an episode of Modern Family, which is still very heightened, you know, but if you go back and you show that to someone from the 1950s and you remove the shock of technology and culture and you just yeah. made it about the, like the way they were acting. By the way, I think that's the, one of the, it's such a, WandaVision is such a ballsy move, what they did and like I told you, I think that, the act, going back and watching it just to appreciate the acting and how they acted within the different eras was pretty brilliant. And especially, uh, but I don't know how. Who's, who's the supporting act, actor in that? The the who plays the her friend Agatha. Yeah, who I plays Ag Agatha? Yeah, she's fabulous. Catherine, whatever her name is. Uh, she does that perfectly. She embodies that those those stereotypes. I mean, Elizabeth Olsen was, is great in in it, but Catherine, what's her name, <laughs> is perfect in the way that she's able to embody those different tropes. But yeah, I think we're getting. I mean, if you you continue the trajectory, and there's so many comedies now that are they're dramedies, you know, and it's so it's just that resonates so much with us, where you can put. Funny people in in yeah. in in real situations, and you can have it all. You can have you can have comedy and and all those things. Right. Um, now what? Well, I mean that's. I mean I think we've. I don't know if we've if we've learned anything, established anything, or if you've if you've gotten anything from this. It was a fun conversation, though. Yeah. Thanks for having it. Thanks for being here. Um, and I can close with a wreck that I've already. Anything that I talked about is is a wreck, but I will say that if you want like a forty-five minute uninterrupted, just sit back, enjoy it experience, <laughs> just Google Vic Berger presents Jim the very best of Jim Baker, and it is it's just delightful to me. <laughs> Check it out. Hashtag Ear Biscuits, let us know uh, what you what you thought about this conversation and um, you know where you go for laughs. Especially if you come to us for laughs, I'm interested in the other places that you go. Yeah, what's the, what's the Venn diagram in your life, the comedy Venn diagram? Hmm. We'll talk at you next week. <laughs>